Welcome to this episode of the Security Clearance Careers Podcast, ClearCast, your source for security clearance, intelligence community, espionage, national security, and defense contracting updates, and our exclusive interviews with intelligence community and government leaders. Welcome back. This is Sean Bigley and Lindy Kaiser of clearancejobs.com. We're talking with this segment about, Lindy, what I think is a pretty interesting but very rarely discussed topic, which is how to deal with classified information on the SF-86 or in your background investigation interview. And this is something that I have seen come up from time to time in my law practice or saw come up from time to time in my law practice over the 10 years that I represented security clearance holders and applicants. And the way that I would see it come up was typically one of a couple contexts. One, somebody who had foreign contacts who classified in some respect. For example, they had been working as some sort of intelligence community operative, and they had developed foreign contacts with you know, people who were, you know, working in foreign governments or, or things like that. The fact that they had those contacts and the fact that those people were maybe foreign government assets, it was something that in and of itself was classified. And so, you know, I would get questions sometimes from people like, well, how do I deal with this? Because the SF-86 explicitly asks about foreign contacts. It explicitly asks about foreign government contacts. So, I don't want to lie, I'm, but you know what's what's the solution? How do I thread that needle? Especially if I'm submitting this form to a different federal agency. Maybe I used to work for agency A, now I work for agency B, or I'm in cleared industry, and I used to have these contacts that were developed, you know, as a result of official business with the former agency. What do I do? And then the second context that I would sometimes see this come up in, and this was a little rarer, the applicant themselves was working or previously working in some sort of a undercover capacity or as a confidential informant of some sort. And so they would say, well, look, you know, am I allowed to say on my SF-86 that I was working for the government during this time period? Am I allowed to say that I was being paid, you know, for these services by the federal government? What's the solution here? So I would imagine, and correct me if I'm wrong, I would imagine that this is not something that typically comes up on clearance jobs because I'm assuming that, you know, people who were operating in these contexts are not likely to be posting about it. But have you ever seen this come up? Now, those secret squirrels are not trusting an internet forum with any of their information. No, it's funny. When you first talked about this, I was like, man, you know, some people just can't get over themselves because we do get some folks who ask that. If they're asking me, 99.9% of the time, I'm like, you are way overselling your job with the government. Nothing that none of that sounds classified. Answer the form honestly. You don't need to share classified information. Nobody's asking for the SAP programs that you worked on as your bona fides. And I was talking about this in the job search process too, where you can list your clearance level on a resume, but there is never any reason to list classified information on your resume. I mean, we get that question come in like, well, how do I, you know, I'm like, 
people can read between the lines in this industry. Trust me. If they know the agency you worked for, baseline information, you do not have to share anything classified. People can figure it out. I always say share less. And then, but the interesting one that you bring about is the foreign contacts one, because I actually did not think of that one when, when this topic came up. And I do think there's a lot of folks, I just think you just assume that if it's a contact that you made in the course of official duties, the government's not expecting you to list that on the form. This is also probably the reason why the IC gets super skittish about the crossover, the clearance crossover between the IC and DOD. We do have this you know, system now where if you're an IC security clearance person, that's information is contained and held in scattered castles. And the reciprocity piece of it is always like DOD is very content to send your S-786 over to the IC, no issues. IC, on the other hand, gets a little squirmy about sending what's in scattered castles and communicating that back over to the DOD system. And this exact example is probably why that is the case and why that reciprocity piece. You're going to probably have a lot, in a lot of cases where you have basically two security clearance application processes because there is some more sensitive information that ISO does not want out and into a DOD system. You raised a couple of interesting points here. The first one being my top line recommendation to all of my clients was always, well, let's start by reading the questions carefully. What are they actually asking? And it was amazing to me how many times people would go, oh, I, I guess I didn't read carefully enough. And you're right. In many contexts, travel, for example, or foreign contacts that are made within and, and solely within the scope of official government business are not reportable and they have never been. But in many cases, there is also bleed over and you get convoluted situations where someone says, hey, I initially met this person as a result of official government business, but I was stationed in country X and then we became friends and we would you know, go out to dinner or you know, we had a romantic relationship that the agency didn't know about. You know, What do I do about that? A lot of scenarios that would, would sort of come up in these contexts. But they could be disposed with of simply by saying, hey, read the question more carefully. And so that's, you know, piece of advice number one. It may sound really obvious, but it's amazing, you know, how some of these questions don't get adequately parsed out. To your other point, uh, you know, this issue of kind of people self-inflating their importance to the U.S. government. I mean, yes, you are 100% right. The vast majority of people who ask this question are not and have not been working in a classified position. And I always used to say to people, look, if you were working undercover, like, you know, <laughs> it's not, a, it's not a mystery. It's not a surprise. Like, you, you know, if you are asking the question, the answer is no, you weren't. There are also people, you know, who legitimately had these questions come up and, and we would have to say to them, look, you need to do one of two things. Either A, you need to go ask agency A that you used to work for how they want you to handle this. And you need to have a paper trail to back it up. And, or you need to put an, a notation on the form that says something along the lines of, I'm answering this question, no. However, I have additional information of a classified nature that is relevant to this question that I can disclose in the appropriate setting. Something along those lines to, to kind of establish a clear paper trail one way or the other that you didn't just decide subjectively that, I'm not going to disclose this information and the government's not going to care. Well, they might care and there might be a reason why they want to know about it, i.e., as I said earlier, you were on official business and you were, you know, having these contacts, you know, as a result of official business, but you know, you also <laughs> were having an affair or you also were, you know, hanging out, you know, as friends and the government didn't know about that. And so 
you know, I don't want to freak anybody out here because 95% of the time, this is a non-issue. And in fact, you know, ironically, there, there were some rare situations that I would see where this stuff could actually be very helpful. Every once in a while, I would stumble across a case where somebody was, you know, concerned or the government was concerned that, you know, they had some sort of foreign influence issue, or they had some sort of allegiance issue based on, you know, something that they were previously involved with overtly or something that, you know, they had lived overseas or something along those lines. And they would say, well, I I was doing that because I was being directed to do that by my FBI handler or my (laughs) whatever. And so then we would say, well, okay, that's, that's relevant. Why don't we, you know, bring that to the agency's attention in a discreet way And then, you know, that would sort of solve the problem. So in the big picture, this is something that, you know, obviously impacts a a very small group of people. But if it is something that is relevant to your situation, just be aware that the, this is not something that lends itself to asking for forgiveness. You you don't want to sort of wing it and just answer the question and, and move on. At minimum, you need to have some sort of a paper trail from the security office at you know, the agency that's relevant here, instructing you on how they want you to answer the question and or putting down some sort of clear, you know, record, some, you know, marker on the SF-86 itself saying, you know, just to be clear, there's relevant information here. It's classified. Tell me how I bring this to your attention. And then that's how it's dealt with. Yeah, I think you had two points that were really good, like using the additional comments piece of it. Like, I never cease to be amazed at folks who have these very paranoid questions and then don't seem to understand that they can always kind of provide some, I mean, very small, but some clarification in that to say like, hey, I do have additional information I would love to provide during a you know, personnel subject interview. And the other piece of it is knowing background investigators are cleared for a reason. And I think knowing and verifying that is good information, though, too. So I think nothing would send a red flag further than getting your background investigator one-on-one at a Starbucks and starting to unleash a lot of classified information to them. So I think that just be wary of that. But then also know, hey, if you do have some sensitive information to disclose, I was recently talking to somebody in government about this. And I think sometimes applicants fear the process so much that they fail to ask for accommodation that's necessary. I'm coming across this now, like the PAC PMO is program management office is doing a ton of stuff to talk about candidate engagement and actually improving the candidate process for this, you know, kind of the equity inclusion piece of it. What I find is like, sometimes you might have things that you don't want to talk about one-on-one with a background investigator, or if you're a female applicant and you have some issues that you would prefer to talk about with a female background investigator, I was recently told that you can request that. Most applicants don't know that that's possible. Before I say this out loud, I should verify that with the government that that they actually mean that because sometimes they tell me something and then I find it, well, so-and-so said that they couldn't do it. But I think being proactive and saying like, hey, I should be able to ask things in the process and ask a background investigator. I think that's something that if you have a very sensitive case or you have some crazy wonkiness around that, getting some clarification and making sure that you're having the right conversation with the right background investigator is good. And if it turns out you happen to be crazy and you don't need that conversation, then the government wants to know that too, if that makes sense. If you're like, hey, I've got a lot of classified information to share, then 
that's that seems to help all parties if you just disclose that up front and then the investigator can get you in a classified facility and find out that's not true then net positive i don't know yeah the the big irony here and and this always used to make me chuckle is you know in, in many cases the people who would call my office claiming that they were you know undercover or something they they were totally just nuts and they had no reason to be applying for a security clearance they weren't being sponsored for anything but the aliens were coming and you know they were going to save us all and so Hopefully that's not <laughs> the majority of people. Those are the rare cases. Those are just the fun ones to talk about. Yes. 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 Very. But but in all seriousness, I mean, I, I do think the bigger picture issue here and, and the takeaway, hopefully for folks is, you know, don't make assumptions, ask. And that is the thing I think that really would keep a lot of people out of trouble. A lot of folks that, you know, used to call my office who could have avoided, frankly, the problems that they're dealing with because of making assumptions if they had just asked. And when I say ask, I mean, you know, obviously you have to ask somebody who is authorized and, and you know, uh, empowered to sort of give a, a credible answer. But, it, you know, that being, you know, your security officer or, you know, manager or something like that, but you need to do it in writing rather, uh, get a paper trail you know, I would occasionally encounter people who said, well, I did ask so-and-so, you know, but then conveniently they have a different recollection of the conversation. So if it's something of a really serious nature, like I'm concerned that my resume might have some classified information on it before I send this to anyone, can you look at it and confirm employer that, that this is legit to send out? You want a paper trail of that and a paper trail of them saying, yes, you know, our security office has reviewed your resume and, you know, we're comfortable that there's nothing classified on it. So that if someone has a different opinion later, you know, down the road, you're inoculating yourself. And the same goes for the SF-86. The same goes for, you know, LinkedIn profiles and all that sort of stuff. So I, I think ultimately, you know, a lot of these things are, are avoidable by just asking the right person and getting a paper trail to back it up. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of ClearCast. Hit the subscribe button and share this episode with your friends and colleagues. For more security clearance updates and national security career advice, subscribe to news.clearancejobs.com. If you have an active clearance, refresh your profile and search clear careers at clearancejobs.com.